one of the reasons I really do love my church is because we have some, we just have some great people here. And I don't say that just, I mean, really great people. For example, um, I caused a little controversy this week on social. I don't know for those of you that follow me. I put up a, a sign that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Does that describe anybody in the room? Anybody? Okay. Describe anybody you're sitting next to? Anybody? It's not true about me. I don't cuss a little. I cuss a lot. Um, but, I, well, it depends on what Chance is doing. Um, Chance is my dog. And, uh, you know, some people kind of got upset about that or whatever. And the, but I had a guy this morning, and he brought me my, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little face mask. So, <laughs> I'm like, man, I love our people. I love our people. Anyway, I have no idea why I shared that with you. Um, I, it actually plays into what we're going to talk about today. How many people here have had something either said to you or about you that hurt you? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, yes, about in a thousand right there. Um, all of us know what that's like. All of us know what it's like to have something said to us or about us that hurt us. In fact, one of the biggest lies that we were told as children, and we recited this lie often, is sticks and stones may break my bones, but it's not true, is it? Because I've been beat up. I don't know about you, but I've been beat up before, like physically beat up, like hit in the face with fists, kicked, um, and, and it hurt. But I would much rather take a physical beating, because you can get over that. I don't know. I, I got over it. I got over it pretty quick. But the, the a mental and emotional beatings that some of us have had, you can't unhear that stuff. I remember talking in the ninth grade. I was having a conversation with a family member um, and, about, about a girl I had a crush on. She was in the eighth grade. She didn't even know I was alive. But anyway, I was talking to him about, uh, I said, you know, I wish there was just a way that we could know what other people thought about us. He said, what do you mean? I was like, you know, kind of a way to read people's minds, like what are they thinking about us? And he looked at me and he said, you don't want that. I said, why not? He said, because there's a lot of people that don't like you. I was like, well, that's weird. Why would people not like me? I think, I think I'm a nice person. He said, yeah, but not everybody sees things the way that you see them. And I remember in the ninth grade thinking, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You remember how smart you were in the ninth grade? You knew everything in the world, right? But looking back, he's right. And you know how, know, you know how I know he's right? There's this thing called social media. Now, I'm not the anti-social media guy. I'm not. I'm not. I, I love social media. I'm on, hold on, let me think, uh, Twitter. That's how I got started. It, Twitter's, like, Twitter's like weed, the hookup drug, right? It, like, it's the gateway drug. So I don't know. I just heard from people um, on our staff. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I do Instagram, and then I do Facebook, and I, I got something on LinkedIn, and I do Snapchat, and I've got TikTok, but I don't know how to use it. But Karis, my daughter, who's 13, said she'll teach me how. Anyway, so I'm not the anti-social media guy. I just think it's a tool that we should use rather than a tool that controls us. And, and so I, I, love, I love some of the things we get to do on social media, but social media has given us access to other people's thoughts, specifically what they think about us. And some of those things have been hurtful. Some of those things have been damaging. Some of those things have 
been destructive. In fact, I was looking for a report, and I didn't find one report. I found dozens of reports that said with the increased use of social media, we've also seen an increase in anxiety, depression, loneliness, and self-harm. I even found an article where a nine-year-old girl took her own life because of online bullying. That's heartbreaking. That's absolutely heartbreaking in the world that we live in today that we would allow somebody to say something to us or about us that consumes us to the point that we would actually bring harm on ourselves and other people. So the fake news, the fake news that we buy into though is this. Fake news says find your identity in the ideas other people have about you. Because if I'm guessing correctly, most people in this room and most people watching this message, you want to be liked. I want to be liked. I want people to perceive that I'm a good person. The problem happens when we get so wrapped up in being liked that we find our identity in what other people say to us and about us. And we got to be really careful, even with the good stuff, because I learned a long time ago that those that deify will crucify. So it's a dangerous thing to let our emotions rest on the opinions of other people, especially those that don't really know us. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about a passage of Scripture today. I've preached on this passage a dozen times. But what I'm going to teach you on today, I've never seen this in my life. This absolutely blew my mind. And I'm going to teach you on it again next week, completely different point of view. Here we go. Um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now that sentence is loaded, and I'll tell you why next week. Um, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? This, is? this right here is crazy. Because as we're reading this passage, one of the things that we forget about Jesus, and I say we, I mean me too, when we're reading the Bible, we're listening to stories, is Jesus was fully God and fully man. I don't understand that. I just know it's true. He's like fully God and fully man. He wasn't like 50-50. He was 100-100. Fully God, fully man. And we often focus on his divinity, not understanding his humanity is what connects us. There's never a thing going on in our lives that we can take to Christ that he won't understand because he's lived like we live. So I remember one time teaching, a ch- I was a children's pastor for a while, not here, another church. Um, and it, I just... It didn't last long. I just needed a job. So I said, yes, I'll work with children. And working with children is awesome for some people, not for me. So I got the kids in, and I'm teaching them. So you just taught the lesson plan. As a Baptist church, they give you the Sunday school lesson plan, teach the lesson plan. The lesson plan was teach these kids that God, Jesus is fully God, fully man. All right, kids, Jesus is fully God, fully man. Now, there's always one kid, if you've ever worked with children, whether you're a teacher or you work, there's always one kid that, that, that raises their hand. And you're like, oh, my God, what's going to come out of his or her mouth? It's usually him. Um, and so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to ignore that because I don't know what he's going to ask. And there's a lot of kids here today. So I kept going. But have you ever seen that kid that will not be, he, he just won't be shut down? So he's like this. He's like this. He's like this. And before I knew it, he had two hands up. Now, this is dangerous because we're in a Baptist church. And if you have two hands up in a Baptist church, you can get voted out, right? There ain't no sense in that. So if we, charismatic church, he would have got points. But like two hands in a Baptist church. So I was like, all right, yes, yes, your question. Pastor Perry, yes, sir. You're saying that Jesus was fully man? I was like, yeah, exactly. He said, like my dad? I was like, eh. 
Maybe a little better than your dad, but yeah, yeah, man, like your dad. He said, so Jesus farted? <laughs> I've never thought about that. <laughs> and so I was put on, there's not, a, there's not a verse. They don't train you for this in like preacher school or whatever. So I was like, yes, he did. He absolutely did. If he was fully man, there's not a man on the planet that hadn't walked into a room with his family and said, Wah. I mean, that just happens. So, yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Now, some people might get offended that I don't really care because he's fully God and fully, and a man will break one off and smile about it. All right, so anyway, I'm having that conversation with him, but I was laughing when I thought about this because if Jesus is fully God and he's fully man, then he can identify with us when people say things to us or about us that hurt us. Like, there's some people I can't identify with. I can't identify with people that love to do certain things or whatever, but there's nothing that we can take to Jesus that he won't look at us and go, I'm sorry, I don't understand. I mean, he gets it. So he's asking his disciples, you know, <laughs> who, do people, who do people say I am? And I love their answer. Look at their first word. Well, well, just so you know, in communication, well is a word that buys you time until you can think of something to say because you don't really want to tell them the truth. Like if you leave today and, and you say, hey, do you love my shirt? And somebody goes, well, they're trying to figure out how to tell you your shirt's ugly without breaking your heart. So would you love my shirt? Well, it's a shirt. I mean, that's the easiest thing to say, right? Hey, you like my haircut? Well, <laughs> it's a haircut. Would you like to go out to dinner? No. I mean, that's, that's usually how that gets, but, but it's a different story, different time. But Jesus, Jesus says, what do people say I am? And they go, well, I mean, I, let's, okay, guys, come here, huddle. Let's just tell him the good stuff. Ready, break. Some say John the Baptist. Um, oh, and some say Elijah. And some say, others say Jeremiah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. So, I mean, you're just flooding social media. And then, or one of the other prophets, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Obadiah, like one of those guys. That, now, can we all agree that's good stuff? I mean, that's good. I mean, you get called John the Baptist. I mean, he had an effective ministry. He ate locusts and wild honey. I'm not sure about that diet and got his head chopped off, but he went to heaven. So, but at the end of the day, he's listed as a Bible hero. Elijah called down fire from heaven. That would be an awesome trick at a party to play. I, can't, I would love to be able to do that just when I'm stuck in traffic on Clemson Boulevard. Jeremiah was a faithful prophet. I mean, some of the stuff that God asked Jeremiah to do and Jeremiah did it, he was so faithful. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. The people that were talking about Jesus didn't actually know Jesus. So while what they were saying was good, it wasn't accurate. Because Jesus was not John the Baptist. He was greater. Jesus was not Elijah. He was greater. Jesus was not Jeremiah. What if the human side of Jesus said, well, you know what? If everybody thinks I'm John the Baptist... I probably need to be more like John the Baptist. So he would have done a great job at pursuing who John the Baptist was and actually not pursued who he was supposed to be. What if he would have said, you know what, I guess I need to be more like Elijah. If some say I'm like Elijah, then I guess that's who I need to be. He would have done an okay job trying to be Elijah, but he was supposed to be Jesus. 
The reason I say this is because sometimes even when other people say good things about us, even though they're good, they might not be accurate, but because we get so addicted to the good, we become who they want us to be. And when we become who they want us to be, we're not becoming who Jesus wants us to be. It's a dangerous place, isn't it? Now, they also said some bad stuff about Jesus. And Jesus knew about the bad stuff. There's so many examples. He's arguing with the religious people one time. He always, always, always do you know 2,000 years ago that some of the meanest, most cruel, hateful people on the planet were religious? Man, how we've progressed in 2,000 years. I've always said the reason Jesus came 2,000 years ago and not today is because if they would have had social media, it wouldn't have taken three years to kill Jesus. They'd have got him in three months, all right? But, but this is, so Jesus is arguing with a group of religious people, and this is what they said to Jesus. They said this to Jesus, son of God, Jesus. This is what they said. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're all. Hold on, I almost missed my chair. That would have been on YouTube. <laughs> all of us are going to stand in front of Jesus one day. All of us. All of us. And, and there's some things that I don't want to answer for personally. You know what I'm talking about? But that's okay because we talked about without fault last week. But at least I'm not going to be the, these people. Can you imagine the people that called Jesus demon-possessed actually standing before him one day? And they're like, uh, yeah. See, see what happened was, I, I, it's what my friend said. But did Jesus know something about personal attack, yes or no? Yeah. This right here, this right here, this is one of the most racially, spiritually, insensitive things that you could have said to someone in this time. Jesus knew what it was like to be personally attacked. And so do you. And so do I. For example, via social media, just this week, I found out, it's a newsflash, some of you might already know this, I'm going to hell. I didn't know if you knew that. I didn't either until I, I read it on Twitter. I'm going to hell. This surprise anybody? Here's why I'm going to hell. It's, it gets even better. My net worth is $40 million. I didn't know that until I read it on Twitter. I was like, holy crap, I must have been drinking a lot because I don't know where I put that money. I'm going to have to start digging somewhere. <laughs> digging in the yard. What are you doing? Nothing? Nothing? Just trying to find some money. So because my net worth is $40 million and because rich people can't go to heaven... I'm going to hell. Didn't know that. Didn't, got asked this week for the first time on social media, I, hey, man, it's okay. just need to know, are you doing steroids? <laughs> I mean, I kind of took that as a compliment because I've been working out. And, and if you want your tickets to the gun show, you can get them. But, but I, that, no. I'm not doing steroids, you person. <laughs> but but that, that kind of stuff gets in your mind, doesn't it? 
In fact, when people come after you, whether it's on social, whether it's face-to-face, whether you heard a rumor, let me, let me tell you what happens. First of all, you get a personal attack. And everybody in this room knows what it's like to be attacked personally. You know what that feels like. Yeah. It's never good. And, and this is what I love. People go, well, don't take that personally. Okay, well, let me just slap you in the face. and, and when you, Don't take it personally. <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. But a personal attack lead to private thoughts. Now, this is how it happens, and this is what the enemy does, and it's so smart on his part. He will take what others say about us. It'll get into our minds, and all of a sudden, we start believing that we're the people that generated that thought. So, you get called an addict long enough, pretty soon, you start to think, well, I'm an addict. You get called a slut long enough, Pretty soon you'll believe, well, I'm, I guess I'm just a slut. You get called a loser long enough, pretty soon you will start thinking, well, I'm just a loser. And you will actually start feeding off the negative thoughts that other people have put in your mind. This, but it, it, that's how the enemy works. Negative thoughts, thoughts don't come from, come from God. Conviction, yes, but not negative thoughts. Negative thoughts... Are, are ideas usually that are planted in our mind by other people, and we hear them so much, we eventually adopt that as our own mindset, which leads to painful actions. This is where depression, anxiety, loneliness, and self-harm come from. Nobody, nobody just wakes up there. It starts with a personal attack. It gets in our private thoughts and leads to painful actions. So the fake news is, is that we got to find our identity in the ideas of others. But listen, just because somebody has an account on social media, it does not mean they should have access to our lives. So that's the fake news. The good news is this. We do not have to allow deception to keep us from our destiny. What other people have said to you, and about you doesn't have to affect you in regards to you stepping in to the God-given vision for your life. Now, I know what you're saying. I know what you are, like you might be thinking, does that mean I just don't listen to anybody and I just keep going? No, 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 no. That's not what that means at all. I love how Jesus demonstrates this for us. And it's so powerful. It's such a powerful principle. Watch this. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? That right there, that right there is a great question. And he asked it to 12 guys. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, most people don't know me. You don't know me. You know about me if you follow me on social. But you don't know me. You can know about me. If you Google my name, that's a fun, I mean, if you need to spend an hour in like a dark place, just go do that. You can know about me, but the reason you know about me and you don't know me is because, listen, I got a confession, and my confession is your confession. I only post my highlight reel. I only post my positive thoughts. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, that's a positive thought. Like, I'll post that. Life sucks, and I don't know why I'm alive. I don't post that thought, but I've had it. You ever had that one? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I posted a picture of me and Chance this week. Chance is my puppy. He's like almost two. And it was real cute. I put it on Instagram. It's a good morning for me and my, my son because Chance is like my son, right? And I was holding him up. Is it cute? I don't know if you saw the picture on Instagram stories. It's real cute. It's awesome. It took five freaking minutes to take that picture because he wouldn't cooperate. I'm like, come here, come here, come here. He's running away. Like, no, no, come here, come here. I get a treat. I bring him over because you can bribe a dog with a treat. Listen, a dog and a man is the same thing. You give him a treat, rub his belly, he's happy for the rest of the day. So anyway, I bring him over um, and I kind of pick him up and he won't look. And finally, I held his face, not firmly, gently. We got some animal lovers. They get real upset. So I'm holding his face gently, firmly kind of. And, and I, I kind of held it and I kind of pulled two fingers down to kind of force a smile. And we took the picture. It took five minutes to take that picture. And everybody goes, oh, my gosh, he's so happy with his dog. I wasn't happy with my dog. I hated my dog in that moment. But it's, it's my highlight reel, right? You post your highlight reel. You ever put a family picture up, yes or no? Yeah. Here's what I know. The more kids you had in that picture, the more cuss words you said. Trying to get the kid, co- no, come here, come here, come here, come here. I don't even know who you are. You're not my kid. Get out of the picture. You know what I mean? Getting everybody together, you put up your highlight reel. When you take a picture of yourself, how much time do you spend on filters? Just asking for a friend. I didn't know about filters till recently. Those are some great things. They make you look way better than you really are. Right? And so, so Jesus says, let's not talk about the people that know about me. I want to talk to the people that know, like, know me. But who do you say I am? Now, the people that knew about Jesus, that was a lot of people. This right here included 12 guys. They saw Jesus on his good days, and they saw Jesus on his bad days. I want to pause real quick, because there's always somebody watching that you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And this is what you would say, Jesus never had a bad day. I'm going to go ahead and say, praying in a garden so hard that you're sweating drops of blood and asking God, if you can, take this cup away from me, that's a bad day. I'm going to go ahead and say, hanging naked from a cross, with nails in your wrist and your feet, screaming out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't know about you, that's a bad day. And so the, these guys had seen Jesus. They had seen him weep at Lazarus' funeral. But then they saw him bring Lazarus back to life. They'd seen him walk on water. And they saw him when he got the news of John the Baptist getting his head cut off going, man, I got to get away and chill. I mean, they saw him at his best. They saw him at his worst. And he leans in, not to the masses, but to the few that really knew him and said, who do you say I am? This is, why, this is what I'm saying. We don't have to give everyone access to our lives but we do have to give certain people access to our life but don't miss this you get to choose who the you is for you you get to choose like people have tried to speak into my life i don't like bible boy 182 i could give a flying rat's rear end what he thinks about me or my sermon or my shirt or my steroid non-usage i don't care 
By the way, Bible Boy 182, I always make that up. I don't even know if he's real, but he probably is. He's in his underwear, his mom's basement, eating Hot Pockets and being mean. So, <laughs> I have no idea where that comes from. But Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, who do you say I am? I love um, Brene Brown. She's a very popular speaker. Um, author, she's an unbelievable author. She said, when it comes to the criticism of others, she's taken everybody's opinion who matters. She's taken their name and written it on a one-inch by one-inch piece of paper. And when somebody criticizes her, she takes out that piece of paper. And if your name is not on that paper, it don't matter. We can't let everybody speak into us. But we do have to give some people. Now, here's the deal. You get to choose because for me, there's all kinds of people that think they know me. But you don't know me until you've seen me at my best and at my worst. Those are the people that have access to you. Those are the people that speak into you. And I love it. Jesus <laughs> said, what do y'all think? You remember how they all spoke up at first? Nobody speaks up except Peter. Simon Peter answered. Now, this is where you go, oh, God, because he's always getting it wrong. Like, he, he got out of the boat, but then he sank. You know, the guards came to arrest Jesus. He pulled out the sword, cut off the ear, which I kind of like that because he's like, okay, if this is wrong, Jesus can fix it. It's like, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take, Jesus, take the ear. I mean, you can, you can work it in there. Simon Peter answered, and, you're, and everybody kind of rolls their eyes because like, oh, my God, he's talking again. What are you doing, Simon? But he got it right. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, this is something I've never thought of until this week. If Jesus is fully God and fully man, how good did this moment feel from the human point of view? Because Peter got it right. Peter didn't say, you're a good guy that teaches some good stuff. He didn't say, you're a miracle worker. He didn't say, you're a great dude. Peter said, you know, from what I've seen, from what I can tell, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I love what Jesus says to Peter because Peter's got to be feeling good at this moment. Jesus says to Peter, you are blessed He's like, dang straight, I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Then you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. In other words, Peter, you're not smart enough to come up with that on your own. <laughs> he said, don't, don't miss this. Peter spoke life into Jesus who was life. The people that are in, in your circle... They're going to speak life into you. You know why? Because God, God, God leads us right here. Simon said, John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. In other words, the Father led Peter to speak life into the author of life. The reason I say that is this. The people in your circle that are the closest to you, they will speak life into you. And if you're not speaking life, I don't need to hear it. Because I got too much 
crap going on on my television, on my computer screen. I, I don't, the people in, now, this is what, this is what, I know, the, I know the red flag that people want to throw up and I just want to help you. Well, I guess you just only want people around you to tell you the good stuff. No. If I'm about to screw up, I want to know, right? Like if I'm, if I'm getting ready to step off the stage, let's say I'm just talking to y'all and I don't know that the stage ends here. And I got my foot right here. And I'm about to lean forward. Like, that's going to go bad for me and probably the first three or four rows. It's going to go bad. So if I've got my foot right here and somebody who's close to me, who knows me and knows that ultimately I don't want to spend the rest of the day in the ER, hey, Perry, you're about to take a step that's going to hurt. That's speaking life into me. Don't miss this. Correction is speaking life. Condemnation is speaking death. There's a difference between, hey man, you're about to take a step and it really hurt. It's really going to hurt. There's a difference between that and, hey, you freaking idiot. If you do that, you're going to fall on your face, which you probably deserve because you don't love Jesus as much as I do anyway. Yeah, I don't like that. And neither should you. Some of you know people like that. Some of you are like, I don't know anybody like that. You might be. Anyway, so another message another time. We'll deal with that another, another way. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind correction. Even correction, when it's spoken correctly, is, is life into us. Condemnation, though, is never from God because Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let me tell you what's true about you. This is, what, this is how I wanted to end today. I was thinking about how to wrap up this message. I want this, Second Chance Church, to be a life-giving church. I want it to be life-giving. I want you to feel better when you walk out than you did when you walked in. Because all of us have experienced going to church and getting the hell beat out of us and then walking out thinking, I wonder if I do anything right. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I've had that experience. So I want this to be a life-giving church. So let me share some things that are true about you. You say, Perry, you don't even know me. How can you say these things about me? It's real simple. If you belong to Jesus, these things are true about you. And the reason I know they're true is because this is what Scripture says about you. Number one, you're free. You're free. Now, I know some people don't free. Here's the beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus. We're not trapped in sin. We have the freedom to walk out of it. You are free. You're free to celebrate. You're free to have joy. You're, you're free. The reason that we can know we're free is because we're forgiven. There's, forgiveness, there's freedom when we understand that we're forgiven. And you are forgiven. You say, you don't know what I did. It was really bad. You're right. I don't know what you did. It was probably really bad. But I know who Jesus is, and he's really good. And his good is better than all of our bad put together. And I know that no matter what you did, you're forgiven. I understand having a hard time with that. I understand having a hard time because I can believe that you're forgiven for no matter what you did, no matter what you did two years ago, no matter what you did last night, no matter what you did before you came to church this morning, I don't have a problem with you being forgiven. I have a problem with the forgiveness of the God that I looked at in the mirror this morning. Like, I wrestle with that. 
just like you wrestle with that. But I've got to lean it even when I don't understand it, even when I don't feel it. i got to believe it that in Christ, you, I, we, all of us, we are forgiven. We're not forsaken. He has never left me. He has never left you. Even when we hit rock bottom and we thought nothing good could come out of our lives, he was there the entire time. If you feel alone and forgotten today, he has not left you or forsaken you. Four years ago yesterday, I completed treatment, got on a plane, came back to Anderson, South Carolina, had no idea what was going to happen, knew that God had absolutely forgotten and abandoned me, and I was wrong because he had greater plans for my life. And if he has greater plans for my life, he's got greater plans for your life too. Not only are you not forsaken, you are blessed. If you are in Christ, he has blessed you beyond anything you could ever imagine. And if you're in Christ, you're victorious. When we walk out of church today, we don't have to walk out of here with our heads down. We can walk out of here with our heads up because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This isn't just true about me. This is true about you. I am chosen. I am not forsaken. I am who he says I am.